Hi, this is Paul Butler. I'm the Senior Pastor of New Heart Baptist Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We hope that this podcast will be a great blessing to you and encourage your life. Uh, the subject, Richard kicked off a subject last week and I didn't actually intend to follow it, but it's kind of a natural progression. I'll explain why in a moment. Let's look at Hebrews 12. Interesting little verse of scripture here because uh, it says here that, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Guess what? Abel never recorded, it's not recorded Abel ever said anything. He was the first man murdered. He was the first, perse- first person persecuted for righteousness. And he lost his life for right living. See, he made an, an offering to the Lord and so did his brother Cain. And Abel's offering was an offering of the heart. It was an offering of faith and it pleased God. Cain made an offering. He didn't give a rip. He just grabbed bits from around about, it says, and he put them together and that was rejected. And so Cain goes into a tailspin over this like an aeroplane falling from the sky and he descends into evil thoughts and he's, he was jealous of his brother who was a righteous man and had faith to please God. And so he took the life of his brother and he actually lied, lied first of all to God uh, and he says to the Lord, well, you know, who am I? The ki- I don't know where my brother is, he said, because he's lying. He'd slain him and taken his blood. But it's interesting here that it says the blood of Jesus speaks better than the blood of Abel. So what is it about the blood of Abel and about the blood of Jesus? So we're going to go through that and, and unpack that in a little bit. First of all, I want to look at the subject of idols. We're coming back to that because idols by nature involve sacrifice. All types of idols, be they a a bicycle, Richard, (laughs) or whatever it is, there's something you give yourself to it. It expends your energy or your wealth or your life. You see, it involves sacrifice. And of course, the most devious form of idolatry is human sacrifice. Now let's have a look at, at this. What we're seeing here is, uh, that's not far from where I live in Bali, happened to snap that one day. Uh, very pretty, very beautiful. It's actually idolatry. It's ancestor worship. It's worship of dead ancestors, holding them in high regard and going through a lot of protocols to make sure a dead ancestor doesn't visit you one night and terrify you. So uh, that is an idol. You might not be able to make it out. It's about eight feet tall. It's in my garden where I live. I, I have two very large idols in, my, in, my ha- in the yard of my house in Bali. Uh, I rent that place, of course. It's not mine. And the owner has... That's a Ganesh idol. If you know anything about uh, Hindu idolatry, Ganesh is an elephant and the god of prosperity. And you might see a little basket up there. It's above head height. Uh, Now, if that was in the man's house and he was actually living there at the time, then he would probably, or his wife would, make an offering every day at that idol. 
Uh, no, I don't, I don't care a bean whether I've got idols in my backyard or not. I have two, just to make sure I'm fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that, we look out at that idol there and we praise God for the power and the blood of Jesus that sets people free from idolatry. Uh, out my window, if you open the bedroom window on our right-hand side, it's uh, the back of the house is up close to the other neighbour. And they've got a little bit of money. And if you've got money, you're going to have lots of idols, big ones. So if you open up the window, uh, you, that's just common idols every day. I'll come to the window in a minute, right? If you've been to Bali, you'll see these everywhere, in the middle of intersections, out the front of people's houses. And, of course, the cars drive over them and people walk over them by the hundreds of thousands or millions every day they make that and they put it out just to make sure their karma will be right and the ancestors will get off their back and they'll feel blessed by the gods every day first thing you do you don't brush your teeth you make an offering like that and so uh so common like that that's very typical of a bali beach little offerings like that by the thousands every day all over the place just to make sure things are happy spirits of the ocean they're not going to come and nip your feet whatever right and uh i'm so grateful that guy is not out my my bedroom window uh there is a lot of them but that guy's not i'm very happy he's somewhere else but that's just typical balinese idolatry and it involves sacrifice i was talking to one woman uh, um, not so long ago, last year I think it was, and if I went backwards to that, uh, I was asking her, and we are at her place actually up in the north of Bali, and she was the wife of uh, the um, village, uh, Kapala Desa, how do you translate that? Village chief will do. And so, she, yeah, fairly reasonably well off, and I noticed the idol in the corner of the yard, and uh, we were talking about faith and what have you. And I said to her, do you ever feel tired having to make an offering every day as the very first thing you do? Right? She said, yes. <laughs> I've talked to other Hindus about this. And I said, we feel very exhausted. But we do it relentlessly because of fear that something bad will happen and so it involves sacrifice idols always involve sacrifice of some some kind there's a young man and he's got his two idols in fact he had a lot more than that uh, i had a shed full of them and i tell you what i worshiped these things it wasn't just for the fun of it i'll tell you why because i was very good at it and I had trophies by the score. I had so many trophies, I did not even have room to put them. And I think that is the, the state titles. I forget what that was. It was observed trials and there's a big trophy in front and I'm holding some others and I'm trying to grow a moustache there, as you can see. Uh, but idolatry, it expresses itself in all kinds of forms. It can come through religious forms. It'll come through secular forms. It comes through sexual forms. And it's just everywhere. It invades our life. In fact, idolatry is the default religion of humanity. People without any religious form will always default to idolatry. It's just trying to find life in something else that's bigger than yourself. That's what idolatry is. And, it, and in fact, yeah, it, it, 
is a curse and it's very de- it's very demonic you see idolatry opens up the realm of the spirit you might think well i you know you don't you might think that secular people uh, aren't spiritual oh yes they are I was enslaved to these things with two wheels. Now, I actually like motorcycles, and I'm going to buy one soon to get around in Bali. Uh, Having said that, though, it is deeply spiritual because it involves sacrifice and you can't get out of it. You feel like you have to keep doing it in order to receive life, you see. Now, I came to the Lord uh, not too long, probably. When is that? I think I came to the Lord later that year actually and was wildly born again and i served these things so much there wasn't a day i was fiddling with them doing this that and the other relentlessly practicing uh my craft in observed trials and when i got born again i didn't even look at the dang things for six months it just vanished i mean like like a cloud that went poof was gone and something left me the compulsive desire to, to be involved in this just was gone, you see. So that's the power of the blood of Jesus. Now let's, let's go forward here. So it speaks better than the blood of Abel. So what is it about the blood of Abel that speaks? If it could speak, what does it say? See, the blood of Abel cries out for justice. That's what the, the voice of Abel from the ground where his blood was spilled says, Give me justice. The blood of Jesus was spilled, but the blood of Jesus gives justice. It doesn't cry out for it. The blood of Jesus is justice. And it says that the blood of Jesus speaks better than trying to cry out for justice in your own terms. You claim the blood of Jesus, it gives you justice and sets you free. How marvellous is that? So we're going to look through the book of Hebrews here. And I'm going to read a number of passages. Bear with me if this is a bit sort of strange talk. It's, it's um, uh, written to Hebrews and so it's religious Hebrew language but it's very important for us to grasp. I'll just start off in Hebrews 1. And he opens up by defining who Jesus is. And he says, long ago, God spoke. This is very important because we just looked at Hebrews 12, where it says the blood of Jesus speaks better than the blood, than how Abel's blood speaks. All right. So it says here, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. That's Jesus. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. The Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of, uh, of the majesty on high. I'm going to skip through the book of Hebrews and pull a few parts out here. Let's skip to Hebrews chapter 9. But Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come. In the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered the most holy place once for all, 
not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. That's why you're sitting here, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow, uh, sprinkling those who were defiled, sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more, this is what you want to hold on to, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse our consciences from dead works so that we can serve the living God. Like I said, I grew up in a farm and there's a few things you just have to learn to accept in farm life. That is, things are born and things die. Things are injured and things are terminated. One time I was at my brother-in-law's place when I was younger and he's a a large-scale sheep farmer. I mean, you know, you've got 10,000 of these things in in one property. And what happens is, uh, of course, there's, it's called the lambing season. You ever heard of the lambing season? And and it's all going to happen within like a month's period. And these things are born by the thousands, you see, all over the place. You've got to check them every day and run around on a motorbike. And of course, you can do it with a drone these days. And, And make sure two things don't go wrong. One, the lamb is not stuck and the ewe is not on the ground uh, with a half-born lamb, of course. The other thing is crows and foxes. So foxes love to take advantage while lambs are being born. Doesn't sound good, does it? Crows like to take advantage of uh, lambs that are uh, half-born and they have nice little soft eyes and crows have a very sharp beak. You getting the picture here? Now, if there's a, a ewe, uh, that's a mother sheep for all you city people. Uh, <laughs> 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 if there's a, a ewe there that, that uh, might be injured or uh, difficulty with, with lambing, crows take advantage then. You see. And so what happens is you've got to go around and check your stock and you carry something with you. It's a knife about 12 inches long and it is razor sharp, you see. Why do you carry a razor sharp knife when you're doing this sort of thing? Because if you come across an injured animal, you have to make a decision. Do you terminate its life or do you put time into trying to redeem that animal? Let's say you put two hours of three hours of time into trying to redeem that animal. It's cheaper to terminate it. Do you follow? So there's economics behind this. The other thing is mercy. If you come across an animal that the foxes have got a hold of or whatever, uh, uh, you've just got to make a a bad decision on it. And so when you've got a lamb, a lamb is innocent. This little thing, they're cute. Do Do you love lambs? The little tail flicks around and they're so cute, right? Uh, and uh, you just can't go wrong with a lamb if you want to have a pleased children and everything and you know, nice and cuddly and soft. Friends, what if the poor creature's injured? You have to make a decision. So you take the knife and you pull its head back and you cut its throat. And its life is spilled. I never liked doing that because you wish you could patch that creature up and it could find a future. 
but you take its life for various reasons, as I've explained earlier. The blood of Jesus was spilled, and he's, def- he's d- called the most innocent. He's, he's called the, the lamb that was slain. And so when you take the life of a lamb, I tell you what, you get the imagery of Christ being sacrificed. Yeah, and the blood spills out, and I won't go into all the details. That's just a normal day when you're growing up uh, and running a farm. In fact, my brother and I had one together until I sold it as well. So he bought me out. Um, So the blood of Jesus speaks better than the blood of Abel because the blood of Jesus gives justice. The, The blood of Jesus gives justice. The blood of Abel seeks justice. Now, some of you are sitting here seeking justice. Could be because of a bad marriage. It could be because someone uh, ripped you off financially somehow and you seek justice. It could be because of uh, some deal you went into with somebody and it just went wrong and you spent a lot of money trying to put that right. And you're seeking justice, you see. Well, it's going to bleed you dry. We have to receive justice rather than seek it. Let's just look at the next passage here. And we're going to go to Hebrews 10. Now, this is a fascinating little synopsis of important features. You'll notice there that the first verse that I've quoted here, which is 19, I think, it speaks of boldness. But the last verse in this little, it's it's one piece of thought this is not several pieces I've not artificially put this together the writer of Hebrews made this one complete package of thought okay so he starts here that we have boldness through the blood of Jesus what kind of boldness do we have we were talking about this yesterday actually when we had an elders meeting Uh, what is boldness and why do you have boldness now you might say well he's a bold person and I'm a timid person I don't buy that Now, there are people who have personalities that appear bold, but boldness is a different dimension, right? Boldness is because you understand something. And timid people can be very bold, I've noticed that. And bold people can actually lack courage. They just have an appearance of boldness. But it says here that we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus. Now, this is all this imagery that went with the Old Testament. That boldness is that we can come to God and we can speak to him directly, unashamed, bold. Now, yesterday when I was uh, at the back of my house, my granddaughter turned up and they came in through the garage because the garage door was open, right? And my son-in-law or daughter opened the door and her name's Zoe and she rocked in boldly. Right and came straight up to me and jumped up on my lap. I mean, not a flinch, not a flicker, no, no, no caution, no fear, no reservations, boldness. And I saw it. That's boldness, you see. Why? Why does she have that kind of confidence to enter into my presence? Okay. She knows you. 
He knows, she knows that I'm not going to scold her or turn her away or whatever that point might be. And she's, she's almost four. That, that is how you enter the throne of God, but only because of the blood of Jesus and what he does to us. And so if you can enter the blood of Jesus, uh, enter the, the, uh, the throne of God boldly, then surely there must be something in store for you. If, you, if there's that kind of boldness, right? So let's move through this. And it starts right with boldness, then it goes to the blood of Jesus. And he has set a place for us, a new and living way through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So there's a progression here. Notice the us's in this. I think I've highlighted them. Yes, it is. It's highlighted there. So it says, uh, he's set something in place for us. It doesn't say the singular plural. Are you following here? This is important. Sometimes the scriptures speak to you and it's actually just singular when the writer writes it. But in this case, he writes it to us, to everybody. And that's a very important point. And it finishes in the last little verse there. Let, it, let us draw near, as I've said. Uh, let us hold on to the confession of hope okay, without wavering, since he who has promised is faithful. Let us consider one another. Here's all these us's, right? In order to provoke Love and good works. Notice the progression. So it starts with the blood of Jesus. And now what are we up to? Good works. See this? Then it says, and I've put it in brackets there, uh, let us not neglect to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day coming. Now I find this a fascinating progression. Because it starts with the blood of Jesus and ends up with people gathering together. Did you see that? Why do you come to church on a Sunday? It is all because of what the blood of Jesus has done. He's cleared a pathway for you to have a family where previously you didn't, spiritually speaking. These are really important doctrines for us. So I, I like attending meetings of believers. Why do I do that? It's not because I'm a religious guy or particularly like to always be there, to be honest. But I like to be there because it is a covenant promise for me that if I am there, I'm in the presence of something better. You see that? It is a promise. The blood of Jesus guarantees for you community. And for some of you, this whole idea of community is a little vague. You may not have had a very good community when you grew up. But the blood of Jesus guarantees it for you there's a community for you to be part of in the faith isn't that a good thing i i love that it's not just individual salvation jesus doesn't come to to set us free from sins and you're on your own you see the blood of jesus has come to buy you a place in a spiritual community that's what it does it opens a pathway but some of us have all these kind of hindrances that we carry around that work against the promises of God because God has promised of a community but some of us are carrying what I would call a rejection spirit 
And we're always battling people with rejection, you know. God wants to set you free from that so that you can relax in the body of Christ and not carry around wounds and disappointments because you didn't like the pastor at the last church. If you're here in this church because you didn't like the pastor in the last church and it's rejection you've felt, can I suggest you might need some ministry about that? Please come and be part of a fellowship because God has made a promise for you. It's good for you, you know. And please don't leave one because of injustice. Seek God's justice over that. Right, so we end up here not neglecting gathering together. And the four ladies, three or four, stood up here this just a while ago, uh, Margaret and Liz and a few, and Paula, right? Uh, I'm listening to them. And I'm thinking about my sermon because I'm thinking the blood of Jesus is guaranteed for those ladies uh, to have fellowship in the Holy Spirit when they get together. And Liz said, I think it was you, Liz, said something like, and the presence of God was just so much there. That is what it's about, you know. It's about finding community because of the blood of Jesus. I love this. And that is why I'm a missionary because I know what the blood of Jesus does. To see people set free from idolatry, slavery, friends, daily slavery, and then lay over on top of that alcoholism. Many of the Hindu men have got alcohol problems, many. And to meet these guys who are set free from their alcoholism and then set free from the slavery of idolatry and enjoying all the promises because of the blood of Jesus. It is so wonderful. So, let's wrap this up a little bit here. Um, idols by nature, as I said earlier, involve sacrifice. You do something to try and get something back. That's the way it works. If I just give a little, then I'll get more back. And that often is wrapped up in, in areas of, of demonic bondage as well. You, you see it's slavery. And... It's, there's an interesting scripture, which I think is the next one. Is Hebrews, uh, that's the one we're on, we've been reading. Let's go here to this one, Hebrews 2. I just want to read this out for a second. This has some interesting angles. Now, since the children have flesh and blood in common, that's us, in common to Jesus, Jesus also shared in the same. He actually was a man. He was, he was the son of a woman called Mary. He, he was a real Jew. You know, he had no physical advantages. So it says that he shared in the same humanity. So that through his death, he might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who were held in slavery. See this? Slavery. Held in slavery all their lives by the fear of death. And so one sacrifice, that's Jesus, breaks the power of idolatry, breaks the power of slavery. That's the, that's the point here. Breaks the power of slavery, all kinds of slavery. People make money an idol. And you might think, well, in, in Western civilization, is there actually idolatry? Right? Absolutely there is, except it's sanitized and it's sort of glossed up. 
but it's, it's equally the same level of idolatry as what you'd call primitive idolatry, where you literally have idols and animal sacrifices and, and what have you. Right? It, it's there, it's all there, just glossed over. And so through his death, which is through the blood, he frees those who are held in slavery. And that might be you. And so you know, people are enslaved to money. Um, we all would like more of it. And why not? You know, if you're going to do things for the kingdom of God, we need money, right? We need to be prosperous people to do the work of God. So let's, let's not think that poverty is more spiritual. It's not. You know? um, but at the same time, you can be in slavery to it. And it grips your every thought and every mind. You just can't get free of this. You might be a believer and issues of money grip your mind. Uh, you, need, you need to be set free. Uh, in the West, the most common form of idolatry that I've observed has to do with sex. It's, it's just straight idolatry. You know, you might think that porno pornography is sort of out there. and it's, But no, it's, it's pure idolatry. And it's very demonic. You know, uh, you talk to people who are set free, bang, it can go just like that. It's there one day, and when you're set free, it is just gone. It's a spirit, you see. And we are immersed more than ever and ever and ever in sexual idolatry in the West. It's rampant, and, uh, and it's sanitized, you see. But the way to freedom is the blood of Jesus in this. And um, you might have heard me talk on this before, but it, it's the elephant in the room that you have to deal with. And we need freedom for this one, freedom from that kind of slavery, sexual, sexual slavery. And when people come to Jesus, it's like we're working at Logan, Logan Church, right? Look, you get people turn up with all kinds of stuff. And we have to not be embarrassed about that, but make a way for people to be set free. Is that right? talking to a believer recently who went to a uh, someone's house for, for sort of a gaming thing that was happening and uh, didn't know anybody there but turned up at this gaming event and left shocked and horrified at what happened to them. You see, there was there were some men there who were transvestites, right? And uh, that's sort of innocent enough, I guess, all over the place. But... The thing was, it was very spiritual. And this believer I talked to recently said, when I left, I felt like I had a leech on me. And, I, and in the middle of the night, I'm seeing these transvestites. You know what that is? That's a demon. You see that? Had to be set free from it. Now, it left, it vanished, but needed prayer, you see. And that's the reality of the world we live in. And you have to be alert. Now, that believer was savvy enough and alert enough to, to deal with it instantly rather than try and fight it in the natural, you see. So what does the blood of Jesus speak about? Let's come back to that one, shall we? So if the blood of Abel cries out for justice, the blood of Jesus gives justice and opens the way for us to have all the benefits of God's kingdom for you and us. So, uh, shame is dealt with. 
guilt is dealt with, fear is that is the biggest freedom people find. Idolatry always has a fear behind it, a fear that things won't go well unless I do this, unless I keep serving. Forgiveness, wow, how good is that? You're made clean, as it says in earlier passages. Uh, you, you receive life abundantly. You get up in the morning and, and you feel like something's alive within you. Right? That's what it means to walk with Jesus. Peace. I have the new nature of Jesus living within you. You have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Who said that this morning? Someone said something about that as well. Uh, and this is, this is the big prize through the blood of Jesus. You know what the big prize with the blood of Jesus is? He introduces us to our Heavenly Father. You see, you can have, uh, you can have forgiveness and you can be cleansed, but there's more. You know, it's like the steak knives. There's more. You know, The blood of Jesus introduces us to our Heavenly Father. That is the big prize with the blood of Jesus. We're no longer a slave. We're not religious slaves. We don't have to attend church because we fear something will go wrong unless we do, if we don't go, right? But our Heavenly Father is right there behind the blood of Jesus. And, you know, sometimes the gospel is not preached fully. I mean this. You preach the gospel for salvation, but you're not preaching the gospel because the gospel brings us to the Heavenly Father. And some people are spiritual orphans. They know they're born again, but they don't really know God the Father, you see. And, and so this is the wonderful thing about the blood of Jesus. Such a wide door is open for us. And as I pointed out in that passage out of chapter 10, where it starts out with boldness and the blood of Jesus, and it ends up with don't neglect assembling yourselves together. That is an interesting little piece of of logic all the way through there and as i said earlier what does the blood of jesus speak about he gives us a new family to be part of so i'm going to wrap it up right there but we're going to have a ministry time we're going to have a time of prayer richard kicked it off last week and i would like to continue to do that we're not done yet um, the blood of jesus never stops speaking now, it doesn't literally speak, but it's, it, it, it identifies something, you know. It's a messy business, the blood of Jesus, and, and the demonic realm just hate, hate it. That is the number one thing they can't stand is talk about the blood of Jesus because it reminds them of their utter defeat, you know. And so I won't stop talking about the blood of Jesus, you know. It is such a such a wonderful thing so uh, i'm going to ask you to come forward here if you if uh, our musicians could just lead us a little bit uh if the if the holy spirit's landing upon you as i've been speaking today any issue at all you might think it's the strangest thing that you've got uh don't worry about it uh, i i came across a, a woman one time you know what her idol was and it's and, and she was spiritually addicted chocolate you might go, no, I'm deadly serious. She was possessed in her mind. She could not stop eating chocolate. She was in New Zealand, Brian. <laughs> and it was the strangest thing. And I thought, that's bizarre. 
but it was really real. And somehow it had become something in her life so strong and it had a demonic thing. We set the woman free. It's, it's the, it was the oddest one. So sometimes there are strange things that happen in people's lives, but they're really real and they're in slavery. So don't, don't kind of think your thing might be too far out. No, it's not. Okay. God wants to touch you and set you free and bless you in this. So, all right, we're just going to pray and wait on the Lord. And if you want to find yourself up here on this piece of carpet, we're going to pray for you in the name of Jesus with the authority that's given to set you free. If you have, if your spirit is crying out for justice and you don't feel like you've got it, I want you to come up here and I want you to stop trying to claim justice on your terms and I want you to tip that around and look at what the justice has given to you through the blood of Jesus to set things right in your life first and then in your circumstances. Is that okay? All right, so here we go. We're going to pray. Father God, we thank you now for what you're doing in people's lives. That you never stop speaking through the blood of Jesus. It speaks better than that of Abel, Lord. Every day when we rise up, Lord, the blood of Jesus speaks. And it gives us hope, gives us forgiveness, gives us boldness, Lord, to our Heavenly Father. And ultimately gives us a community, Lord, to be part of. And more than that, Lord, gives us eternal life. So I pray now, Lord, if you're where you're touching people's lives, I'm asking the Spirit of God for courage to come before the throne of God with whatever that is, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you.